Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is August 2nd, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is separated. As always, I will begin with some questions for us to get us in the mood of what does this word separated mean. So, think about this. Ponder these questions. What are some things in this life that you're willing to trade? How do you apply actions to the choices and decisions you make? Now, with all the technology and knowledge that is available... Does it actually make people smarter? Now, I know that last one may be a little funny. And if you have any common sense, you'd say, absolutely not. All this technology, all this knowledge that's available, and it seems like people are getting dumber, not smarter. But as thought-provoking as some of these questions are, what do they have to do being separated? Well, I want us to understand that In order to really answer these questions, we have to separate ourselves from the issue to get to the the answer. For example, what are some things that you're willing to trade in life? You know, as long as you're emotionally attached to things in your life, you wouldn't trade them. doesn't matter what the value of the object is. Those things that you are attached to, you do not trade. You have to separate yourself. You obviously wouldn't want to trade your relationships. And if you do, then maybe you need to seek some counseling. But usually those you love, you're attached. You know, your pets, if you're emotionally attached to your pets, you, you wouldn't trade them. But then you start thinking about your home, your car, Possessions you own. I have a thing for musical instruments. I I play stringed instruments. There are some I'm very attached to. I don't know if I could trade them. In order for me to do that, I would have to separate myself from them. What about the next one? How do you apply action to the choices and decisions you make? Again, it depends on how attached you are to the decisions you have made. There are some important decisions that all of us have to face. And in our past, we might have had to make some critical decisions. If you're young, there's always critical decisions that you have to make on what you're going to do with your future to put you in those positions. Oftentimes, we make poor decisions because we're emotionally attached to the decisions we're going to make. So rather than make them logically, which is actually the best move, we make a decision based on our feelings, which usually gets us in trouble. That's why 
Advertisers want you to make emotional decisions. They want you to feel like you have to have something so that you make a decision to buy or purchase things you don't really need. But if you separate yourself from that, you begin to see the pros and cons, the logical decisions. So being separated isn't necessarily a bad thing. Let's look at some definitions. I looked at the definition for separated. It means divided, parted, disunited, disconnected, to be set apart, to make space between, to withdrew, or to depart. Usually when we think about Christianity and separated, we, we have bad images. But is there something maybe good about this? Let's go to our scripture readings from the lectionary this week and see what the Lord's going to speak to us. We're going to begin with the passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. It reads, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from amongst us, and cast them into the furnace of fire, where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Now, I really pondered this week's lectionary. So which one was I going to go with first? How was I going to teach this? Because each one is so good on its own. And it's, it's got so much gospel, so much good message to that. But after praying, receiving this word separated, I'm going to start with this Matthew passage. Now, we've been reading many parables over the last couple of weeks. And although this is not the last parable spoken in Matthew, there's another dozen or so to go. But this is what I consider to be the last of the large groupings of parables. Chapter 13 has got so many that's grouped together. It's just a very large group of teaching parables. Um, again, it's not the last, but... I've always viewed it as like the last large group in Matthew where Jesus really taught a lot of parables at once to his people. And I want to remind us that it was in these parables that he said he was going to give us the keys to the kingdom where the mysteries of heaven are revealed. They're hidden. If you don't have ears to hear, you can't hear. I can't re-go over that teaching, so go back and find it and, and listen to what does it mean to hear God's voice and to understand these things. Because he didn't want the religious and unbelieving to have such intimate knowledge of his kingdom because they didn't care. It's like casting pearls before swine. They don't really care. 
They're, they're religious. They don't believe. And so those people, they hear the stories and they can tell you great things about the stories, but they don't actually understand heaven. They don't get God. They just, they've got man's tradition and philosophies. And I want to remind us about that because many times these parables right here have been mistaught. I have heard it from churches my I won't say my entire believing life. I did not come to the Lord until I was 19 years old, my first year in college. So I wasn't raised in the church. So I haven't heard this my whole life. But my whole Christian life, since coming to the Lord, I've, I've heard people teach these parables. Some good, some bad. And I've actually heard good men not necessarily teach these right over the years. Because I think the tradition of men has blinded us. So let's go through a couple of these before I really get to the meat of what I'm talking about. The first, almost a repeat of last week, but uh, a man, you know, he finds a treasure, he hides it in the field, and he goes and sells everything he has and he buys the field. And the second one, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, and he finds one pearl of great price, and he went and sold all that he had and bought it. I have heard teaching in my past that talks about the, the kingdom of heaven is such a valuable thing. And when you hear the news, you have to give up everything that you have to obtain it. And 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 that's this is just a very quick paraphrase, okay? I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time teaching this because it's, it's not right. And this is why it's not right. There is no way that you and I can ever purchase the kingdom of heaven. We cannot buy our salvation. We cannot purchase our way in. Our works are as filthy rags to the Lord. And if you go back and look at the previous parables and teachings we've done, but what we begin to understand is it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is that, that, that spiritual realm, heavenly place that God has. It is like what? Uh, you know, a, a man finds his treasure and then he goes and sells all that he has because the treasure's in the field. To buy the fields, you get the treasure. Or he finds one pearl of great price and he sells all that he has and can buy that pearl. Listen, Jesus is the man that went into the field. The field is the world. Jesus went into the world and he found us, you and I. And he bought us with his blood. We were purchased by the blood of Christ. That means that you and I are the treasure. We are the pearl of great price. And it's interesting because even in these two short ones, the idea that he finds a hidden treasure is sort of a plural. A treasure can be all kinds of coins and gems and jewels. And it's, it's, a, it's a plurality of things that make up a treasure. There's multiple objects. And that's true. Jesus looked down on, on humankind humanity, all of his people, and he loved all of his people, and he he paid for all of our sin. Next parable, he finds one pearl of great price, and so he has to buy it. That's also the same. If if you and I, if, if we were the only ones, if you were the only one, Jesus would still die for you. See, that's that's the power and love of God. It's for all of humanity, but it's also just for you. 
And this blows away a lot of religious teaching and tradition that wants to talk about how you and I are dirty sinners and not worthy of God. And 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 that's, that's bunk. I know that's a crazy word for some of you, depending on where you're at. What's that word, bunk? It, it means garbage. My Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That idea, while we were still sinners, that means while we were still under his wrath, while we were still enemies with God. See, God loved us when we were his enemies. That's why he tells you and I, that's why Jesus said, love your enemies. Because Jesus loved us even though we were enemies and in sin. And then he demonstrated that love on the cross. And it goes back to Genesis. God created mankind and loved us. And even though Adam fell and threw humanity into chaos, he still loved us. Even when he had to do judgment, even when you look in the Old Testament, there's there seems to be death and all this bad stuff. He still loves us. That's why Jesus came to redeem us. But I'm going to get on because this is not actually the point I want to get to. Because the next parable he talks about is like a dragnet. Now, dragnet's a, a, a big fishing net. It's called a dragnet because it's, it's part of it's dragging the bottom. And they, they sort of kind of, it's going from the bottom to the top where they're, they're, they're dragging it. And, and they, they scoop up all the fish or anything they catch in this net because they're dragging it up. So it's a dragnet, in English anyway. And so they get all kinds of things. You get all kinds of fish, but you can also get garbage. You know, branches and, and whatnot that has been thrown in. Obviously, there's more pollution today than maybe in the time of the disciples. But still, and they would they would haul this net to the shore and they would pick through it. Good fish, bad fish, garbage, rocks, branches. Well, they don't want that. And so they, they, they'd cast all that stuff into the fire. The, actually, the bad fish they threw back into the water. Unless it was something they didn't want to live. And they keep the good. So here, and again, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So we've seen two parables of God really talking about what he values us to be. And anytime someone wants to talk about value of Christians and you think you're valuable, but you're not. Listen, Jesus bought you. You know the value of something by how much someone's willing to pay for it. Jesus was willing to pay with his blood. That is your value. God said it. Not anyone else. God set the value. It was his blood. That's, that's your value. And here he's, it is another parable where when he gathers us up, some he's throwing out and some he's keeping. So in other words, there are some part of the harvest, there are some people that think they're Christians, but they're not part of the treasure. They're not a pearl or great price. I know that that's everything to think about. And then Jesus says in verse 51, have you understood these things? He says this to his disciples and they say, yes, Lord. Because he's just done all this teaching. Told him if they have ears to hear, you know, listen, you know, understand. When they say yes to him, he says in the last verse, verse 52, then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven 
is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Now, this verse just really, it got to me. I meditated on it. I really thought about it all week. Because here's Jesus saying, do you understand these things? And they're saying, yes. And then he's like, going, well, if you understood them, if you've really heard what I said, then here's like an extra parable just for you, if you've understood it. And it's another parable because this is not just something that you just understand through tradition. And you see, there are a lot of religious, traditional people that they read the word of God and they go, yes, I understand what that means. But they don't because they don't perform what he just said. He said, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. If you've been instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, you've heard these parables, the kingdom of heaven is like, and you've understood the correct meaning of them, therefore you're instructed. And every scribe is if, if you're going to be teaching, this is the context of what he's talking about, then you're like a householder. In other words, you're someone who's caring for his house. Maybe you're the owner, maybe you're just the steward. And I like the idea of the steward. Joseph was a steward of a house in Egypt. You see many, many examples of stewards in the scriptures. They don't own it, but they're responsible to run it and manage it. Technically speaking, every wife was the householder. She ran the house. The husband would go out and work his job and she managed the house. If they weren't rich enough to hire a servant or, or have a slave that would do it. Someone's got to run the house. Abraham had Eliezer. He was a servant, but he, he handled everything. It says that if we've been instructed, then we are like this householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, I looked up a lot of things about new and old, and I'll talk about the new covenant and old covenant and the prophets and the teachings of Jesus and all this new and old stuff. But I found some interesting things about this is actually an old Jewish saying. This is like an, it's like an idiomatic expression, not maybe as far as English idiomatic expressions, but it, it, it's a saying. In other words, there's a meaning to what is said that's not quite literal. Like in English, we may say break a leg, and that's we're telling someone to have, we're wishing them good luck, and especially if they're singing or, or performing an act or something. You know, another expression we may say is raining cats and dogs. Um, we're talking about it's raining very hard. We're not actually talking about animals falling from the sky. We're not actually hoping someone hurts their leg. These are expressions. You have to know what they mean without trying to get literal with it. And there are several of these in the scripture. Uh, Jesus liked using plays on words. And so it, it's difficult because the Bible's to translate them correctly. You have to do certain things. But because of that, you also lose the understanding of the expression. Because they don't always, those type of expressions don't translate in English. But if you translate the idea of the expression, then you're not being literal with the word that is there. That's why you have word for word translations. That's why you have other people that they want paraphrases. Well, just give me the idea. The ideas can capture some of these 
expressions. But then it's not word for word, so it's not really literal. Sometimes we get literal, but if you, we don't keep up with expressions, then we don't always understand meanings. Here, this, this things new and old is an expression. And again, sometimes these ideas are, are hard to convey because it's not a, I can't tell you in a word what it means because that would mean it could be translated into a word. And it's not a translatable, it's an idea. But the treasure, out of the treasure of things new and old, means that you as a teacher or you as an instructor or, or, or someone giving to others, you're bringing out treasure. In other words, the things that you have valued, that you've learned, that you've experienced in your life, both good and bad, new and old. And I say new and old in the fact is it's, it's, it's the wholeness of your life. And obviously the older you are, especially... The idea of a scribe or a teacher in, in this day was someone that had age on them. You know, Jesus couldn't begin his ministry really until he was 30 because before that was considered too young. You needed to be older. You can't be a teacher at, at 15 or 20 because you don't have enough age on you. I, I'm not saying that today. I'm saying that was the expectancy. I mean, you might have been a man, but you just like... Oh, you're, you're a man after your bar mitzvah, you know, 12 or 13, but you're really not a man until you're 30. I mean, it's, it's these unspoken cultural things. And then this one here, it's the same thing is, is out of these experiences that you have learned about life and things that you're bringing out, this is, it's this treasure that you bring out and share with, with other people. Some of you maybe have gotten a, a, a chance to interview uh, older people. Uh, I know when I was in high school, I interviewed many people that had experiences with World War II and uh, talked to them about that period and things that, that happened. And they had these experiences that they could draw from and what they thought was the way life was then, but how they went through the war. And, and then after you know, 20, 30 years of peacetime, those those same ideas that those experiences have, had had grown and become something else and things that they would they could share with you this this treasure of wisdom so this is what Jesus is talking about if we understand the kingdom of heaven then we should be a good steward and be bringing out this to those around us the same way a scribe brings out things See, and that's interesting because it was the scribes and the Pharisees that he was always getting onto because they weren't bringing out the treasure of new and old things. They were giving us religious junk, bondage. See, there needs to be a separation to happen. We need to separate ourselves from such religious stuff and we need to hear what Jesus is saying and then actually do these things. Now quickly, as I'm running out of time, I want us to look at um, Deuteronomy 7, 6-9. That's the next scripture. It says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you are more in number than any other people. For you are the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from those 
from the house of bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And let me also read Romans, the last scripture, Romans 8, 28 through 39. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor present things, nor things to come, nor a height, nor depth, nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I know I read both of these together and I could I could preach an hour message on each one very easily. But that's not the purpose of this podcast. I, I'm trying to keep these podcasts between 20 and 30 minutes and my time is fleeting. So I, I want to hit on these things with the separated. Deuteronomy. God loves us. And it says so right there. He loves his people. You know, this is not just being in Deuteronomy in the first five books. You think of Genesis and the fall. And then how his people went into Egypt and then they were enslaved in bondage. And then they, they, they come out in Exodus and they're, they're stubborn and they're stiff-necked. And, 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 and generation is lost in the desert because they just don't want to believe God. And here we are in Deuteronomy, which is also at the same time during the Exodus. But God's restating who he is and who we are. It says that he chose us. We are a special treasure above all people. He didn't choose us because we're special, because we're better than somebody else. He did it because he loves us. And he swore an oath and that he's God and he's faithful. Romans 8.28 goes, goes on with this. We know that all things work together for the good for those who love God. Notice in that Deuteronomy. The faithful God who keeps covenant mercy for a thousand generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. You know, God loved us so that we can love him. And for those of us who receive that, in other words, we separate ourselves. When the love of God comes upon us, when the light of God falls on us and we're in the dark and we're lost and we're sinners, and that light and love fell on us. We separated ourselves. The light fell on us. And instead of fleeing back into the darkness, 
the way a cockroach does when you turn on the light and the cockroaches are screaming, they're scrambling for the darkness. Instead, when God turned on the light, instead of fleeing from the darkness, we, we stayed in the light. And when we did that, we separated ourselves from darkness. Not from our own power and ability. We just received what he was doing. And that brought a separation. And suddenly from the separation, we could choose. See, God gives us that ability because we stayed in his life that we can actually see. And it's not so much that we can see, oh, I'm a special person. It's the fact that we see how special he is and what he's doing. And that he's calling us forward. This is part in Romans. He's called us for his purpose, for those he foreknew. God foreknew everyone. Foreknew means that he has knowledge of you before you happen. God had foreknowledge of everyone because he created us. There's no person here on this planet that God didn't have foreknowledge of because he made them. No one's here and God goes, I didn't know. I'm surprised. Oh my gosh. I didn't have foreknowledge of them. No, he had foreknowledge of everybody. So those he foreknew, he predestined. Now, there's a whole teaching about predestination out there. I'm not going to pick on who and what, but they, they totally miss what the definition of this means. Predestiny is to have a destiny. You have a destiny that was there beforehand. What was this predestiny that we have? He says we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. If you look in Genesis, when God made man, we were all made in the image of God. And what image is that? It's the image of Jesus Christ. That's the image that we were made in. We are destined to be in the image of God. That means that we were, before he knew us, we were predestined. I won't say before he knew us. When he knew us, when he foreknew us. Excuse me on the pre's and all that. It's too many, too many stuff there. But he, he, he knew us before. And so that, that means that we're not alive yet. So we're predestined. If we're alive, we're destined. But we're predestined to what? Conform to the image of God. The same way that all humanity is. All men are predestined to be conformed. That means we're not in his form now because we're broken. We must be conformed. So that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn because he was the first to be, he was the first to be raised from the dead. He was the first to enter into the kingdom to the path that in the way that he made on the cross. And because he's destined us for this, he's he's called us to it. And, and if we answer that call, he justifies us. And if he justifies us, he glorifies us. So what can we say? If God's for us, who can be against you? Who can be against you? And it goes on to, to talk about who can separate you, who condemns you. Now, Verse 36 says, for your sake, we were killed all day long. We were counted as sheep for the slaughter. I'm going to try to wrap this up a little quick here. Forgive me. But it's got all these things about what can separate us from the love of God. How none of these things can separate. But it's followed by this, for your sake, we're slaughtered. Listen, we are. you and I are walking through this world and things happen. Things are going to happen. There are going to be times of persecution. There are going to be times of trials. There are going to be times when we fail in our flesh. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen, good and bad. And you may think, I can't take this anymore, I'm dying. But God loves you and he's with you. And you need to separate yourself from these circumstances. 
you need to separate yourself from the world and realize that you are with him. We are not separated from the Lord. We need to separate ourselves from the circumstances and from the things of this world and realize that nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If, if nothing can separate me, then suddenly the trial, the persecution my men, what, what can it do? If God is for us, what can be against us? And we need to put our faith and trust in him that we can be more than conquerors in all tribulations that we go through. I want to pray right now. Father, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for this word. Lord, there's so much I have in me I wanted to share with it. And I'm just, I just run out of time. But Father, I pray right now that your love would touch those who are listening to this, God. The Father, that you would encourage and that you'd build them up, God. That there is nothing in all of creation that can separate them from your love. No demon, no sin, no action. No person, no power can separate them from your love. Father, I pray, God, that they would see this truth, that they could say, yes, Lord, I understand this, that they would separate themselves from the world and that they would receive you, that they would hear out your calling for your purpose, that they would walk into your justification Lord, I thank you that you never leave us or abandon us, God. And Lord, I pray that your purpose and will will be fulfilled in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast and our teachings. You can check out our ministry and other teachings at our website at www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. (laughs) 